it is time to tune up the band and Reardon? Holla, holla, holla! It's time to go one-on-one with The Undertaker! <laughs> it's another episode oh. of the Sweet Gin Wag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Reardon, as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. Chaps, I've, I I know, I kind of get the feeling I know how you are, but I feel like, how are you two doing? <laughs> Fuck, let's go. <laughs> I am very much looking forward to this one because I feel like it's not gonna be it's less of a retrospective and more of us going just like gushing about how much we really like Teddy Long. <laughs> oh absolutely. Absolutely. As, as all good episodes are. Absolutely. Mm. Uh before we get to that though, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Forever Pending other platforms let me tell you something player <laughs> i had to do it i had to do it oh i feel so good about this i had to do it i, I, I don't even know i don't i can't even finish the bit that felt so good to say that felt just so good to say listen we may not go one-on-one with the undertaker quite quite rightly i would say but i'll tell you one thing we do do and that is penned we are always pending and we always will be (laughs) so there is no news this week because as of this recording if you're hearing this right now dan and reardon are currently away from the country aren't you two Uh, yep yes so you left me here all by myself as as this country falls to shit unfortunately look right i had to get out eventually yeah we had to leave immediately (laughs) Dang it, you two. You could take me with you at the very least. Um, Come on. <laughs> Just had to leave me here, didn't you? Pair of you. But no, I hope you're enjoying your holidays, future you two, at the very least. And I'm oh, over here I, editing I, this I, uh... episode. <laughs> I'm not bitter at all, the pair of you. Anyway, no news <laughs> this week. In terms of recommendations, I guess the only thing I could recommend is the Teddy Long compilation of him uh, making uh, new yeah, stipulations like... for matches on the spot, and then ask, and then saying that you will go one on one with the Undertaker. <laughs> so that's my recommendation. I mean, do you two have any more recommendations? Um. Mm. What recommendations do I have? <laughs> um. I am going to recommend. SmackDown versus Raw 2006, <laughs> so you could find out who ran over Teddy Long. <laughs> also, also, he goes over that bonnet like a like a bloody like a spinning top, basically. I guy was bumping hard for the car. That's what protecting this business looks like. Hate seeing her go, Absolutely. but I love to see her walk away. If that, if that memory, if that's the line, if I remember um, correctly. Yes, that go. is that is there the. Go. There you go. From if 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 Reardon's recommendation is SmackDown versus Raw 06, then my recommendation is New Legacy's playthrough of SmackDown versus yes. Raw 06 as Rene Dupree. <laughs> In that storyline, yeah. <laughs> In that exact storyline. Oh, you gotta love it. You gotta Short love it. Short elbow drop for the win. Alright then. With all being said, all said and done, it is time to get in to an episode I think we were all very hyped about. Teddy long fellas 
What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Teddy Long? You can go one-on-one with The Undertaker. <laughs> That's it. When I think Teddy Long, I I think the absolute beating heart of, of pure prime SmackDown. Oh, yeah. Literally, though, te- like, when I think of, like, that period of SmackDown, I I literally just think of, I just think of, here comes the pain. <laughs> I think of, I think of the, the random cruiserweights that decided to just be an absolute banger and Teddy Long. <laughs> it's true. It is very, very, very true. A, a pillar in the ruthless aggression era and one of the and funny enough, the longest-serving general manager during that time as well. For good reason, they they got it right. Why mess with perfection? Follow follow me on this. <laughs> when it comes to remembering general managers in WWE, most people get to like William Regal and Teddy Long, and that's about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You goddamn right. Yes. Sorry, I'll say it properly. You goddamn right. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> so let's get on to these retrospectives as we do. Always, we go to the start. Theodore Robert Rufus Long. Rufus? Born okay. in September 1947, was best known as a referee and manager not much is known about his early life all i do know is that he was he was born and raised in birmingham alabama now you think of 1947 the south mm-hmm. it was a very hard time and he's gone on record as to say it was a pretty difficult time but you just got down and put your nut like put your head down and you worked as much as you possibly can yeah like put that into perspective if i recall correctly Birmingham, Alabama, was the was the place Martin Luther King was the most afraid of. Yes. To put into perspective, which is in fact a sentence. <laughs> like, like that is the place he feared. So, uh, yeah. But in light, but in lighter, but a lighter question for 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 my fellow podcasters, his first word was holler. Right, it had to be. Come on, I'm I'm almost assuming that he came out of the womb doing the whole like shuffle with the leg going holla holla holla. (laughs) I assume he had the suit from birth. (laughs) Oh come on, he had the white shoulder pads and the yeah, of course he did. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh. Teddy Long would actually end up getting his start in professional wrestling within the mid to early early to mid 80s. He was quite a fan during his childhood of professional wrestling. He would get end up working with his first job at Jim Crockett Promotions, starting out as an errand boy for wrestlers Tommy Rich and Abdullah the Butcher. Of course, brilliant. <laughs> Eventually being promoted as a member of the Ring Crew with eventually building a great rapport with everyone backstage, including upper management, which would eventually get him promoted to becoming a referee for Jim Crockett Promotions. Now, it wasn't a lot of people that were... There were a, a lot of sticklers who didn't like Teddy in, the, in uh, during that time. Most notably, Teddy's gone on record 
as just saying that Ole Anderson and Ric Flair were completely horrible to him. Um, well, they were pretty damn racist, actually, is what they I were. To say, like, I, I have yeah. a feeling. I have a feeling why people from the south might not necessarily like Teddy Long that much. Only being the head booker at that time at Jim Crockett Promotions, there was one incident where um, Teddy Long had just finished refing a match, uh, a world title match, and he goes backstage, everyone's celebrating, a very good show of... Uh, of um, very good show, main event. Um, Teddy goes to kind of just uh, congratulate with Oli, pats him on his back, and Teddy said, Oli said, do not touch me, you n-word ah rick flair on several occasions tried to get teddy long fired one of those times was apparently when two um female fans tried to get into the backstage area of one jim Cro or nwa event and they tried to ex uh, get the excuse that well teddy they're friends of teddy long and they wanted to and and then they were allowed to come backstage. Rick snitches on Teddy to upper management, to which um, I think the words were, "I don't trust this N word." And uh, apparently, according to Teddy, Rick would call him the N word quite frequently, up until the point one wrestler in particular told Teddy, "Do not let these people fuck with you." And I'm gonna make and he that same per I can't remember the name of the wrestler himself. I cannot um I think it might have been it might have been Tommy Rich actually he might have been um funny enough made him a shiv and said if they fuck ah. with you one more time punch them with this apparently Teddy Long still has that shiv <laughs> he just has it in pride of place in his house <laughs> I well, I don't know. Maybe I mean he's 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 older now. Maybe he doesn't give a fuck. He's like I I I'm I'm ready to use this now. It's like it's like it's like that thing of um certain old people where they want to like before they die they want to get arrested. Mm. Uh, it's it's gonna say it's 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 when I when I did my research and going through this it was a subject I wasn't very much looking forward to but i felt like it had to be said because it shows like the the adversity teddy long immediately had to put up with in order to kind of get to where he was going no but it's like we yeah. have to you have to look at the inherent fact of what these things are like mm. because again when we talk about these when we talk about these things we talk about how wrestling has always had a very distinct relation to race and to class yeah all of that being said though apart from those two everyone apparently just loved lo loved teddy apparently he was a really like nice positive guy to have around with uh, around backstage and he became quick fast friends with a huge majority of that locker room um with oh, such sure. of that goodwill and just you know love and positivity to be around he would end up becoming a referee for a lot of the main event matches as a matter of fact in 1989 at the shy town rumble pay-per-view long was the replacement referee for when ricky steamboat won the nwa world championship from flair and it was from that and the goodwill and good gesture and the, and like from everyone in the back 
loving Teddy that he would eventually become a manager and a more villainous character. Um, and ended up being the manager for a lot of heel wrestlers. In April 1989 at the Clash of the Champions in New Orleans, Long would blatantly make a fast count, allowing Mike Rotunda and Fuck Dr. Death to defeat the Road Warriors for the NWA Tag Team Championships, which sparked his heel turn and becoming a manager. So he would go on one of his very first teams that he managed would be the team of doom yes that is the team of ron simmons and butch reed yes we've talked about doom before lot as in the ron simmons episode uh but this was uh one of teddy long's very first teams and i feel like he was a great mouthpiece if you've seen some of the promos teddy was cutting at this oh, time yeah. and i and I, I we've just shown reared in this but it was teddy long's look at this time he would wear a t-shirt and blazer combo with a very colourful do-rag and sunglasses. I just it's just great. It's it's honestly just great. But way before a little time before he managed Doom, I'm gonna show Reardon this. Teddy Long once had long hair. Long thinning hair, may I add. But I'm going to show you this right now, Reardon. This is what how Teddy Long looked before managing Doom. Okay, I need to preface this with for those of you like of like who are listening to this, dear listener. I have literally never seen Teddy Long with hair in my entire life. This is the first at the time of this recording. This will be the very first time. This is so a live reaction. Here we go. So yeah, this is a live reaction. Here we go. Oh my god! <laughs> he looks like Stevie Wonder. He straight up looks like Stevie Wonder. That is unsettling. Also, may I also add as well, Teddy Long at this time was one of the very first wrestlers to be a proponent of wrestling managers to be a proponent of the Zubaz pants as well. As example, here. Oh no. Oh my. Oh my god. What the fuck am I looking at? 1980s Teddy Long. Oh hell yeah. What a fit. That is. What the. Oh my god. Apparently, big is bad, according to Teddy Long. <laughs> I. I have. I got nothing. <laughs> I am actually dumbfounded. So. While riding, funnily enough, all of this stemmed as well with the goodwill and positivity, but it was actually as well riding uh, with Kevin Sullivan and Eddie Gilbert. Uh, Long, during these journeys to Arena from Arena, would end up becoming kind of like the DJ for them, kind of like putting on music on the radio and telling stories to them too. After hearing Long, you know, go on about all of these experiences, his life and DJing uh, what would be playing on the uh, on the eight track. <laughs> uh, the two convinced G Jim Ross, um, who was one of the heads of creative in WCW at the time, to give Long the managerial role. Uh, eventually, uh, becoming the manager of Doom, which would lead them, of course, to WCW World Tag Team titles. But during his time, he would also go on to manage Johnny B. Bad, the One Man Gang. Norman the Lunatic. <laughs> yes, Norman the Lunatic. <laughs> Who would end up becoming Bastion Booger in WWF. 
The Skyscrapers, which was the trio of Sid Vicious, Dangerous Dan Spivey, and Mean Mark Callus. I wonder what ever happened to Mark Callus. Yeah, we'll worry about that later. <laughs> he also managed Marcus Bagwell, Two Cold Scorpio, Sergeant Craig Pittman. Jim... I, I really want to know like what the conversations that were had between Two Cold Scorpio and Teddy Long. Same. I really want to know. I wish. I could be a fly on the wall in those conversations. He would also then eventually, when he uh, in in around ninety six to ninety seven, would try uh, would manage uh, the the wrestler named Ice Train, and even Bobby Eaton. Of course. <laughs> in nineteen ninety eight, though, he would be he would be released from WCW and end up in WWF. He would debut on the December 21st, 1998 episode of Raw is War as a referee and would remain in that role until 2002. Uh -huh. Now, there's not a lot that can be... I mean, Teddy Long's tenure as a referee isn't too memorable because I guess you could say that's a good thing because he did his job well. Yes. Yes. But what I will say is that Teddy Long had what's the what's the what's the way of saying this? Teddy Long had a number of matches in WWE. Yes. <laughs> as a referee. He even had a couple of matches, funnily enough, in WCW. One of them, funnily enough, was a hair versus hair match <laughs> against Paul Ellering. In the in the NWA Capital Combat sh uh, pay per view, which was the one that had RoboCop in it. Now you said words that I understand, <laughs> but not in that collective order. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, because something that really doesn't make sense that makes sense. <laughs> like, I like I. Also, I get what you said, but I also just don't. <laughs> I also forgot to show Reardon because I was going also going to show him a picture of Teddy Long and Mean Mark Callus together in WCW. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> why does why does why does the hat make his head look so big? Yeah, what the fuck is going on with that hat? <laughs> what is? It's like some kind of weird, like, it looks almost photoshopped on his head. It's, it's, I think it's meant to be a beret, but I can't be 100% sure it is. It looks too small for his head. <laughs> but no, back to WWF, there were a couple of things, a couple of matches that were notable matches that Teddy Long was a part of. Um, he was part of... Um, uh, the Over the Edge pay-per-view. He was a ref uh, during... It was supposed to be... He was supposed to be a ref for the Godfather Blue Blazer match, as a matter of fact. Um, that was, of course, ended yeah. up being the same pay-per-view where Owen Hart uh, tragically passed away. He would then eventually end up doing the Jeff Jarrett match uh, subsequently afterwards. Um, it's, it's, it's awful, because Teddy Long was also... I mean, I didn't even realize the connection here when I made when I made this list. Long was also the referee of the D'Lo Brown Dros match as well. Oh wow! 
I honest, honest to goodness, I did not realize that at the time when I was making, when I put together these episodes. Um, but Teddy Long remained a consistent part of the referee of, of, of the uh, group of referees during this time. Teddy said it was a lot more fast and frenetic than he ever had in WCW. And of course, a lot more kind of um, in depth with people in gorilla position because, you know, he knew when he started up as a referee in Jim Crockett, he wasn't really given, he wasn't fed directions for an earpiece. He was being, he had to keep an eye on the commentary booth because they were the ones that giving him hand signals and gestures to make mm. sure, you know, to speed it up, slow it down, how much time they had. With the earpiece, he had like Vince and the timekeeper in his ear constantly telling him to speed it up, slow it down, tell them to like relay information to the wrestlers, so on and so forth. He said it was a bit of a culture change, but once he got into it, he eventually got into it, relaxed, and was able to uh, to do his job, do it well. Uh, a notable highlight, if I want to bring it up for Teddy Log was a two, three-on-two handicap match on a 2001 episode of Raw is Raw, where he and Jack Dome teamed up with The Rock to defeat Kane and Rikishi by disqualification. Again, you've said words that I know, but I don't understand. Yeah, you've just sprung words together <laughs> that formed the vagaries of a sentence there. <laughs> I'm trying to convince you to, but I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't no, try like, and justify. I, I, ex I accept that it's real, <laughs> but like, it, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> me neither. I'm just saying words at this point. <laughs> but eventually, in 2002, he would end up re being repackaged as a villainous manager once more. Again, under his full name of Theodore Long. And perhaps, probably his most biggest and notable tenure as a manager in a mainstream promotion. His first managerial services he would give, of course, to D'Lo Brown. No, I am not going to bring up Black Killer again. <laughs> <laughs> he would eventually, again, replace D'Lo Brown with one Rodney Mack, which would give us, of course, the Mack Militant. If you remember, it was Theodore Long that conjured up, along with Rodney Mack, the white boy challenge that Rodney Mack would have, where he would beat, uh, like, Jobbers, uh, Jobbers Supreme throughout, a, like, a four to five month period. White boy challenge is, what a name, incredible, incredible. If I, if I said that feels like something that MTV would have produced at some point, do you not understand what I mean? No, yes. no, 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 absolutely. Yes. He would also, of course, manage Jazz. The two that I didn't really, oh, he would also, of course, manage Mark Henry at one point, but the two I completely forgot that he managed during this time was Christopher Nowinski and Rosie. But well, Chris, wasn't wasn't Chris Nowinski as part of that? He he had like a weird part in the fucking and bugging stuff. Yes, he did in part of fucking and bugging uh, bugging enterprises. I can't remember the storyline because he was, was Harvard graduated. Thing. I think he was like like legal representative or something. Because yeah. you know Harvard educated that means he's smart. Also, by the way, <laughs> may I just say Christopher Nowinski's doing tremendous. Oh, he's doing the Lord's work. For the Concussion Legacy Foundation. I feel like he's 
he's doing a lot of work that should have been done with professional wrestling for a very, very long time. Um, actually, when uh, he was one of the very first people to come out with like, with um, in support of AEW after what had happened to Hangman um a week or so back. Um, now Chris Chris Nowinski's doing really good work with that, so I can't help but like give my props to Nowinski on that part. Crazy to think that that man was a tough enough contestant as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, when uh, during the 2004 uh, WWE draft, Teddy Long, Theodore Long, I should say, was drafted to SmackDown, and was and uh, <laughs> gave his managerial services to of all people, Mark Jindrak. No. What? Okay. Now, 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 we have a conversation to have. Okay. <laughs> uh, what the fuck? <laughs> the I... only thing I can remember about this is that there was one sequence where Mark Jindrak lovingly hugged Theodore Long and lifted him off his feet. <laughs> Don't ask. Just... This man was supposed to be part of evolution. I know. I I, I'll be honest. <laughs> Just. Oh my goodness. I never thought Mark Jindrak would factor into this entire equation, but hey. But here, here we are. are. I, I still need context. I need development. How did that come about? So Mark Jindrak at the Who time was... Question? was was had the uh the the prototypical narcissist character that was uh that you know lex luger had and chris masters had after would subsequently have after where mark jindrak would just look at himself in the mirror and flex his muscles and teddy long was kind of like his hype man it didn't yeah, well yeah. it genuinely didn't work because it was it 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 went as quickly as it came <laughs> Okay. So, in a kind of prelude to what Teddy Long would be up to it's soon enough, on an edition of Raw in January two, around two, January 2004, he ended up filling in for Eric Bischoff as a kind of guest general manager. During a match between RVD and Mark Henry, he demanded that the match be restarted after RVD won via DQ. Now, the funny thing about this is he was doing the whole kind of like, like even in heel mode was doing the whole holla, holla, holla stuff. Of course, this ends after Sheriff Stone Cold Steve Austin came, comes out with his ATV and chased oh, Teddy yeah. Long across the ring and the arena. <laughs> after uh, RBD yes. won the match when it was restarted, Austin kept chasing Long through the arena in the ATV, eventually stopping forgiving and apologizing to Austin for restarting the match, shook his hand, had a beer, only for Austin to stun Teddy Long. <laughs> of course. Of course. After that, Teddy Long would be gone from TV for a little while. Only a little while. And this brings us to his iconic time as general manager of SmackDown. After Kurt Angle was fired... As from the general manager general manager position of SmackDown in two thousand and four, do you remember that time when Kurt Angle was GM of SmackDown? 
Yes, unfortunately. Do you remember that time where Big Show choke slammed him off a high ledge and he was yeah. wheelchaired? Ah, uh, yes. Do you remember uh, Lufa Reigns? <laughs> I do remember Lufa Reigns. I'm one of the few people that does. God. I remember him the from better... The Girl Next Door uh, in, in the... of all films. <laughs> In the, fa- in the famous words, uh, the better reigns. <laughs> so, immediately after Angle was fired from the position, Long would become the new and first African-American general manager of SmackDown. I don't know why the Wikipedia entry kind of specified that. I feel like that... Like... Is... I mean... I... AJ it, it's it's a weird specification, but like it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not wrong. It's just there, there's okay. a need to specify that fact. <laughs> I I can't. I um, interest. It's it interesting. Interesting. I don't know. I feel. I feel like. I mean, this is just me being. This is me being an English nerd. But I feel like that's more opening it up to speculation that there was someone else. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, thinking. Yeah, that's what I immediately thought when I saw the entry. And it's not really much of a. It's not really much of a a, a question. <laughs> what he was. Yes. True. So Along would immediately turn face on this first night as GM when he fined Kurt Angle a thousand dollars for not having his wrestling gear with him. And because of this, this would give Teddy Long the well-known gimmick of giving the fans what they wanted and making impromptu matches that would put heels at a disadvantage. Most notably at this time, of course, with JBL. <laughs> now, I want to bring, like, I love this. The, just This is why I love Teddy Long so much, because it was just like, when you saw that heels got the upper, like, the upper hand or an advantage for a disqualification, and as soon as you heard, you know it's the Mac Militant, you know, oh, <laughs> shit is about to get real. <laughs> I just love it, though, just because it was, it was a, it's a thing I really like in the sense of wrestling. Mm. Which is that the GM is literally giving the heels trouble over yeah. being heels, and I like that. I, I because say. like they're the bad guys, and fe- in theory, the, the GM should be involved in keeping order, right? <laughs> yeah, this would give uh, Log the the unofficial nickname of Tag Team Teddy due to his tendency to book these matches, <laughs> I, which I love that. I love that so much as well. And of course, a lo- I love what I love is that in the entry, it says one of Teddy Long's signature finishing moves was to punish heels by forcing them to go one-on-one with the Undertaker. <laughs> Why does what? that make him sound like he's got a trading card effect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What I love... I mean, he absolutely would. What I love in this entry in Wikipedia is they actually have a list of the matches Teddy Long put JBL through during his time as WWE champion. Oh, no. So, okay. I'm going to list them out, and then I'm going to tell you a couple of stories that make me laugh during his time as GM. So, at No Mercy 2004, he put JBL and Undertaker in a last ride match. Now, the rules were similar to a casket match and an ambulance match, where one of my opponent must put the other in the back of a hearse and drive it out of the, re- of the arena. JBL would go on to win and retain his title due to interference by Heidenreich. 
Oh, the, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Let's think about JBL and Heidenreich. <laughs> Just... What what a cursed existence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So No Way Out 2005, JBL was forced to defend his title against the Big Show in the first ever barbed wire steel cage match. Rules were the same as a steel cage match, except you couldn't escape from over the top of the cage due to it being strung with barbed wire around it. Uh, despite the fact that you could still attain victory through escape. This, of course, just, was made by you're Long. You're just doing it the hard way. Yes. This made it so that uh, um, Along made it to make sure there was no interference from JBL's stable, The Cabinet. Do you remember JBL's Cabinet? Which consisted I of... I remember it existing as a thing, but I don't know who was in it. It existed... I'm assuming it was the most random wrestlers. I think, did it have Orlando Jordan in it at one point? Orlando Jordan was the chief of staff. The president was jo yes. JBL. The co-secretaries of defense were the Basher brothers. God. Oh, it's Bowman Baines. Oh yes, let me. I don't. Yes, yes, yes. The Bowman. Ah, oh, yes, the Basham brothers. Bowman Baines. Not acknowledge me, but remember us. <laughs> yes. They, they, they also had an image consultant named Amy Weber. Now, the reason I bring Amy's name up is that she left uh, soon after she uh, she entered because. She was the diva that unfortunately had her bag shat into by Randy Orton. Oh, no. God. Randy every Orton in time. 2005 was fucking weird, man. Every, every, you look right, you have to understand he's ex military. They, they, they do some. Dishonorably discharged, my eye. <laughs> it's honorably discharged. Do you, can you wonder why the dude just shat in someone's bag? Um, every time I hear this story, <laughs> it it genuinely feels like the kind of thing that someone tells you about, like their workplace, mm. just to like, because they're like, oh, you know, it was horrible. Someone shat in my bag, but like this actually happened. Yeah. Like, an actual grown person did that to someone and was like, oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> it's so, so strange. But with all that being said, that is that that kind of began, this all began a very, very long tenure for Theodore uh, Long as manager for SmackDown. As a matter of fact, right? His tenure lasted from 2004 to 2012. Good God. Is he the longest serving GM? He is one of the longest serving GMs in WWE, in WWE's, you know, recent history. Um, this would, of course, end up being more kind of sporadic. He would end up moving to ECW in 2008 at one point, which then would end up foreseeing Teddy Long's new talent initiative. And this is where we would see the debuts of Sheamus, Jack Swagger, Kofi Kingston, yeah. Evan Bourne, Trent Beretta, uh, one man named Gavin Spears, who we now know as Sean Spears, uh, among many, many others. It was a really weird... 
it was a really weird time because you could really tell that like they didn't know where they were going with stuff. Exactly. Teddy Long was also the person that officially announced the return of the King of the Ring in 2006, which would see yep. Booker T win it and him becoming King Booker. I, you could just tell that like King Booker and Teddy Long were made for each other. Absolutely, like hand in glove. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like that, that's, that's straight. That straight up like an outcast level pairing. It really is just. <laughs> and yeah, off pretty much um, after kind of like two thousand and eight when uh, like in two thousand nine when he would return to SmackDown, not a lot. Kind of like like it's kind of like as memorable as his time, you know, in the early like mid two thousands was 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 happening. Of course, he was still doing the whole, you know, going one on one with the Undertaker. Although I will say there was one time in two thousand and nine that made me laugh, and they still have the clip of it on YouTube where they kind of ran back the whole undertaker kidnapping people in limousines like he did with stephanie when he did the exact same yeah. to theodore log <laughs> where he would where he went inside a limousine it's one of the funniest moments. and you could see the look like you hear the gong and the limousine lights turn purple the shock i love the acting on, on theodore log's face as he's just panicking and it's you just great. hear undertaker go where to teddy <laughs> Oh I god! So Would you also believe it's that you also kind of, it's the kind of dumb stuff that wrestling should be built on? Absolutely. <laughs> Did you know that also Teddy Long had a rivalry with Drew McIntyre in 2010 that actually Hang culminated on, on a mat in a match on SmackDown <laughs> that lasted 10 seconds and Drew picked up the win, but you know. Okay. He did. Funny enough, he did. But this was all due to um, this is all due to and revolved around McIntyre qualifying for the Money in the Bank ladder match, which would be won by oh. Jack Swagger. Yes. Theodore Long's last memorable pay per view was with John Laurinaitis, where both of them would compete for controlling stake of both Raw and SmackDown. This would end at WrestleMania 29, which would see John Laurinaitis win and People Power win for him to have controlling stake in Raw and SmackDown. And that, of course, led us to the whole Raw Super Show thing where people, where the kind of the brand split ended and people were jumping to and from SmackDown and Raw. And Teddy Long after that would make sporadic appearances here and there. Um, he would end up, you know, kind of. Uh, making funny little things like making funny little uh, guest spots here and there. He would become senior advisor with like Eve Torres at one point, which was weird. <laughs> like what a massive downgrade from Teddy Long to John Laurinaitis. Exactly. Um, and do you remember uh, one of Teddy Long's very last things that he did was? Do you remember the time? Booker T was SmackDown general manager. No. In 2013, yeah. Long was made the senior advisor to Booker T during this time. And... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and eventually would take over the role of general manager for a little bit after Booker T was taken was was written off due to having surgery. 
Eventually, he would end up being usurped by Vicky Guerrero. And in June 2014, after nearly a after after a very long career with WWE, a long tenured career, he was released from his WWE contract. Now, before I get into more sporadic appearances, I want to note the two very funny stories of Teddy Long's um <laughs> of Teddy Long being in wrestler's courts. Okay. Okay. So the first time he was brought to wrestler's court was uh, with his two running of uh, two kind of driving buddies that he would have in Bradshaw and Farouk. He oh, was no. brought to wrestler's court and sent to face Judge Undertaker for, and I quote, being a tight-fisted bastard. <laughs> 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 who wouldn't pay, who wouldn't pay for well would, would would very rarely pay for you know his share of stuff although i will say fair play to teddy long for trying being tight fisted as possible i was gonna say like he was yeah. just there and went getting anything out of me <laughs> <laughs> i'm spending money on more pinstripe suits so piss off the correct decision if you mess with me on my money you will go one on one with the undertaker <laughs> Um, his second time, I love this, right? His second uh, time he was put to wrestler's court was for selling Viagra to the to the boys, in particular the Undertaker, who was the judge for this court case for this wrestler's court case okay. as well. Oh, wait, this is what this is what I said to Sam, right? Because this is confusing. Okay, right. So, here's my here's my theory. Okay. That it, either they were really, really hung up on him selling drugs. <laughs> I don't know if Viagra's prescription in the US. I assume not. I assume not. But, like, they were either really hung up about that. Or they were really hung up about the fact that he wasn't selling it to anyone else. <laughs> yeah, like... But also, now hear me out on this... I don't think of Teddy Long as an inconspicuous person. <laughs> if you can believe that sentence. No, I you know, you, you make a you make a very reasonable argument. Yes, I want to I imagine like, okay, if the Undertaker's there and is getting pissed off because people have found out he's buying Viagra from Teddy Long, how are you looking at Teddy Long and going, Yeah, I reckon I'm good here. Like no one will notice. <laughs> So, funny thing about wrestlers' court is when you do the whole thing, the procession, you're supposed to have kind of like a legal, I say that with air quotes, legal representative with you during this time. He didn't have one for the JBL and Farouk, or the Bradshaw and Farouk one. He almost didn't have, he was trying to wreck his brain to find one, and he almost didn't have one, so he managed to find one. He ended up having Mae Young as his legal representative. Oh, no, I, my I Lord. I you were going to say Chris Nowinski. <laughs> this, 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 this story just gets better and better. He almost won his case until Mae Young <laughs> yelled out Niagara instead of Viagra. <laughs> Making oh, wait, wait, everyone that... piss themselves laughing. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's how he lost his case. 
I just love that what? story of well, Mae Young sorry, defending Mae Teddy Long with a Viagra case at Wrestler's Court. <laughs> okay, I'm just... You know what? I'm just going to accept it as what it is. <laughs> Probably for the best, honestly. I love that so much. So, this leads to his subsequent sporadic appearances from 2014 to present. For the 15th anniversary of SmackDown in 2014, Long would make a surprise appearance, getting into an argument with Johnny Ace. This would lead to a 16-man tag match in which Team Teddy, the team of Sheamus, Mark Henry, Jack Swagger, the Usos, Los Matadores and El Torito would defeat the team of Team Johnny. That's Cesaro, Golden Stardust, Bo Dallas, Damian Mizdow, Heath Slater, Titus O'Neil, and Hornswoggle. Do you reckon, upon hearing the possibility <laughs> that he could have a uh, 16-man, did you say? 16-man tag match, yes. Yeah, do you reckon just on hearing that you could have a 16-man tag match, like, briefly Teddy Long ascended a form beyond the physical plane? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Without question. I will put you all in a 16-man tag match! <laughs> I, he like like literally that that decision came along from the bookers and then all of a sudden Teddy Long in like the bookers office just started floating and his eyes like glowed white. Absolutely. <laughs> his next his next little appearance would be during the restored brand extension on a June 2016 episode of Monday Night Raw. He returned in the Money in the Bank uh, opening segment. Do you remember the one where all the participants were on the ladders talking to Ah, uh, yes. It was that segment. He came run he, he came with the with the announcement coming in, requested another run as general manager. I tried to tried to make a stipulation for the Money in the Bank match to which Chris Jericho said, "You're not even general manager, you stupid idiot." Only to be turned away by Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> He would make several other appearances backstage throughout the course of the night, including his attempt of making a tag team match between the Golden Truth and Brizango before being escorted out of the building by security. <laughs> After a long, long-tenured career of being a referee and an iconic manager and GM, Theodore Long would be inducted into the 2017 Hall of Fame. Inducted by Ron Simmons and John Layfield. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. I have a question actually for that for the for those little bits. I have two questions. One, does did WWE think that like the fans didn't want to see Teddy Long again? Because every they because the way it sold it with Michael Cole on commentary was like he was an old he was a senile old crazy man but it's like he did get like little pops for someone else in WWE. But, but first first of all yes he was a weird crazy man that's why we liked him so yes. much first of all second of all i remember distinctly every time like he would ask people would go yes get him back he's yes. great we love there's, him there's a reason that he lasted so long as general manager yeah and, and my second question is I, I foresee, do you think, like, I foresee a way to turn Teddy Long heel with him plotting a coup to take over SmackDown? I could see that happening, and honestly, I would be here for it. Would it be a long storyline? 
No. Would it be a good storyline? Probably not. Would I love every second of it? Absolutely. Now, when I when I picture the idea of heel Teddy Long, I have I have two I have two conceptions that I keep in my head. Mm. One of them is he becomes a heel purely by just not listening to other people. <laughs> and it's like literally people then they're like, come on, like I want a title match, and he's like, "No, you're gonna face this person. I don't care." Yeah. My mm. other, <laughs> my other conception, <laughs> and run with this is that he becomes some like semi megalomaniac GM. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he's literally just so absorbed in himself that like wrestlers try and figure out what the hell to do. <laughs> You know, actually, I've just thought of another one. I thought of another one, and I'm actually like another way to, to turn like Teddy Long heel. Hmm. And it will actually, this would actually kind of strangely track at that time. Give him the Undertaker's urn. Hook. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, he had brother love at the beginning. Taker did, so it wouldn't be far from the realms of silliness if Teddy Long find if Teddy Long got control of the urn. <laughs> Yeah, like, if, if you could easily imagine, like, make it a thing that, like, he starts using The Undertaker more and more until he gets addicted to the power, gets the urn, I and fought. becomes basically, <laughs> and then becomes basically the new Paul Bearer. I thought I was retired. <laughs> I'm back again. Holla, holla, holla. Yeah. Hey, get out of my way. <laughs> On the, uh, I, I love this one. The, the the 2017 Raw after WrestleMania, uh, Vince McMahon was making an announcement about a Hall of Famer becoming the new general manager of Raw. Out comes Teddy Long after being inducted to think that, to believe that he was the one becoming Raw general manager. To which Vince berates him and shats him out of the building. To which Teddy Long and I shit you not replies and walks out saying, "Oh well, holla holla holla, play it." <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> the pop was so loud for that as well. Uh, that was the one, of course, where it was announced that Kurt Angle became a Raw GM. Yes. And after that, pretty much, he would make an appearance at the 25th anniversary of Raw. On a 2021 episode of Raw, Raw Legends Night, he booked Miz and Morrison in a tag match against The New Day. He would also be in a special throwback episode of SmackDown in, the, in May 2021. That would be his last appearance in WWE. But he's. But that is not. That does not mean he's. He is a. He is not a general manager anywhere else. As a matter of fact, in 2014, Booker T's promotion, Reality of Wrestling, named Theodore Long as its promotion's general manager. Oh See, God! This is yes. What I mean, the link up. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, at this moment, he has worked as a commissioner for Georgia Independent Promotions, Main Event Wrestling, and the Independent Wrestling Network. So at, even at age 75, Theodore Long is still a general manager and matchmaking legend. Yes. Gentlemen. Take all of this. Just like that, the natural order was maintained. Exactly. Indeed. Exactly. And you know what? I am right there with you. I would not be remiss to see Teddy Long back in a different kind of like even if it's a guest general manager role I would want to see Teddy Long back just for the laugh and just for the crack the, the man 
is just a legit delight. Yes. Just legitimately delightful to see, which is something that you that no other general manager can give you. Even general managers that you might like. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one you're actually happy to see. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's so good. I can't like stress enough like that time in SmackDown. Of course you had you know, 2004 was a, was a weird time for SmackDown because you just had your like your franchise player at Brock Lesnar up and leave to, you know, pursue American football. And so you had to kind of have the guys that were the... That, that, well, the SmackDown 6 at that time to kind of really pick up the pieces and run uh, with the football, uh, the theoretical football, as it were. But to bring Teddy Long into the mix... And of course, have the Undertaker there and make that be like his whole shtick, uh, as well with guys like JBL and Johnson. It almost as if it was like they quickly mended what could have been a horrible situation for SmackDown, and Teddy oh, Long yeah, was yeah. right at the forefront of that, if you ask me. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. SmackDown is Teddy's show. <laughs> you just named it. <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> no, but it's right though. Mm-hmm. It's a- it's actually right. <laughs> oh, such a good episode this one is, and that is where we're going to end it. I mean, the legacy of Teddy Long, I think we can all say is that dude made smackdown enjoyable i swear to like to this day when i think about like 2004 to 2007 smack uh, smackdown or wwe smackdown was the show i always regularly watched more than raw and a lot of it may be because of the entertainment of well they had well i'll be honest smackdown had at that time a better roster <laughs> but also of course, yeah. teddy long was entertaining as all heck as a general manager <laughs> Because you were guaranteed I... for him to come out and make an impromptu tag match. That's sure. He he definitely gets his tag tag team bona fides, and he also he also just kind of like more than almost any other person. He really just thrived in the ruthless aggression era. Mm. Just yeah. his general vibe. I don't know why. I don't know what makes him particularly like unique to do it, but yeah. he did it. Just something about him. I don't know what. I hope with this episode, and the amount of subsequent times as well we have talked about Theodore Long, if he does listen to this, just know that we love you so much, Teddy. And yes, uh, and I, I, I don't know about you two personally, but I'm still a little kind of a little upset that he blocked me on Twitter, <laughs> even though <laughs> we found out it was he was hacked. Yeah, yeah, like, like, the, yeah, like, why in, take that out on you? Yeah, <laughs> like in, like in conclusion, like was just I'm just gonna get rid of a bunch of random people. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I think I think the big conclusion of this episode is please, please unblock Sam. We love you, Teddy. <laughs> please accept this. Please accept this as a love letter to your career. And a, yeah. a very elongated apology if I did anything wrong. Because, like, <laughs> honestly, like, I think you know, in between all these things that make up the time periods of the wrestling that we like you know it, there are people around that that make it so memorable and i think teddy long if not if not anything else is a memorable figure 
Oh, even I was. If nothing else, mm, sorry. he is a memorable man. If nothing else, if anything, he made that really doldrum time of two thousand and nine to two thousand and twelve a little bit more enjoyable and dare I say watchable. Remember, this was you know two thousand and nine no, to ten was a really bad year creatively for them. But like, yeah. like I said, like, is it? Isn't it a whole thing that we should like? A wrestling company should enjoy the fact that, as a young person, some of my one of my favorite parts of the show wasn't even a wrestler; <laughs> it was the general manager. It's crazy, isn't who, it? Who, as I will always maintain, read and you will understand what I mean by this. Doesn't Teddy Long give off pasta energy? He absolutely does. My guy, dress, my guy dresses like. Um, I mean, take your pick between African or Caribbean pasta. <laughs> now I'm couple, thinking because I've had a couple church visits in my life where I've seen where I've seen some people in Teddy Long fits. Oh wait, wait, wait! Another another way for for heel Teddy Long to have worked. Get him to be get him to be the valet of gospel era New Day. Oh. Pastor that would have faster Teddy. I and honestly, I think I, if that had happened, I think they'd still be here. <laughs> or fate, honestly, or maybe they would still remain face, but they'd have ballet. I mean, Teddy, yeah. I mean, Teddy, oh Teddy Long with a unicorn horn. I mean, it right no, I, itself, I, doesn't I, it? I, 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 yeah. I live by that. that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. Oh, that is a good way to end this episode. So, with these two on a little holiday, a little excursion elsewhere, we're going to take a tiny little break. Hopefully, we should be back within uh, within, uh, within a couple of weeks or so when this episode does go out. But our next episode, one I'm really excited about to talk about, we're going to be talking about quite possibly one of the most legit competitors in all of professional wrestling. We are talking all about bad news brown and boy this guy has had had such an interesting life and career from becoming a representative of the usa in the 1976 olympics winning bronze medal in judo to eventually being uh, receiving the eye of antonio Inoki and being trained under him in the new japan dojo and eventually ending making his way via canada and through Stu hart to the wwf bad news brown's had one hell of a career and it's one of the most interesting of all of them. And of course, we talk about it all from his time in New Japan Pro Wrestling, his tutelage under Anoki, to his eventual tutelage from Stu Hart and his career in Stampede Wrestling, to the WWF, and of course, a little stopgap here and there with Aretha Franklin of all people. That is all to come up in the next episode. Are you too intrigued? I can tell from the silence. Yes. I think you might yeah. be a little I bit intrigued. Like, I was like, wait. I knew about certain bits, but then you mentioned Aretha Franklin, and I'm very, very confused. <laughs> that is all coming up on the next episode. But until then, I've been Sam. This has been Dan and Reardon, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chingwag podcast. We will see you all very soon. Until then, bye for now. Later, players. Holla, holla, holla.